Welcome to the High on God podcast, your regular dose of Holy Ghost encouragement and out of this world down to earth incarnational revelational experiences in our mystical union with the supernatural Jesus Christ. Here are your hosts, Matthew Spinks and Zachary Paul Pratt. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and accompanying YouTube vlog at the links in the description or easily found at www.thefirehouseprojects.com. Now ease back into Abba's arms and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, we're back. <laughs> What's up, y'all? And... Uh... As usual, we're going to dive in with our recommendations. We're doing another, before we do that, we're doing another uh, episode of the monks, the fathers, and this episode is going to be about the mothers. Mother so, of glory. The mothers. And we thought we'd do a di- little bit of a different um, format today. I'll get into that in a minute after our recommendations. So we got a couple things to recommend today. Uh, the one that I'm going to recommend is there's a documentary that was produced by Warren Marcus on the Toronto Blessing. Ah, yes. And uh, you can find it on YouTube if you search for a Toronto Blessing documentary. You might have to add Warren Marcus, and it's a few of few results down. Um, and you can also filter by you know the length of the video. It's a longer video. So. Highly anyway, recommended. Highly. highly recommended. There's so many amazing testimonies in yes. there uh, <laughs> of just God at work. So it's it's just a great uh, general thing to watch to be encouraged, even if you know you're not feeling uh, like you care at all about the th- events surrounding the Toronto blessing. It's more of a you know you know you watch it and you get whacked and you it's and big. you <laughs> you just see the love of God at work. And uh, the testimonies are incredible. So that's uh, my recommendation for the week. And Matt also has something. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I wanted to recommend some music by our friends, um, Eric Wilding and uh, our buddy Constantine. Um, They are uh, Canadians. Well, at this point in their life, they live in Canada. Although most of the guys on the album are uh, Russians and... um, but the glorious self-titled album is so hammered. Uh, it's got songs on it like Holy Hug, uh, like Love Drunk Love, and The Greatest Orgasm. Other, I, other classics. And other <laughs> classics that you may remember from your childhood. <laughs> no, but it, it's just hammered for, you know, for drunken glory, dance music, and, uh, you know, it's actually punk style. Um, and... For those of you that don't know, Dr. Eric Wilding is also a theologian and a seminary teacher and a punk musician with The Glorious. What you might not know is that Constantine, who helps with a lot of the songs there, um, was one of the most famous worship leaders in uh, in Ukraine and Russia um, in, I think, the 90s when they first started having like some fresh worship stuff. So yeah. Anyway, it's, it's thick. It's worth checking out. (laughs) And, uh, I'll just put another plug in for that documentary. Zach was recommending it's hammered as well. So there's some good resources to look up on YouTube and to look up, you can find the glorious album on all the platforms, Apple music, uh, whatever else you use. Nice. Hallelujah. So today we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Basically, um, I'm going to come into the topic knowing almost nothing 
and then I'm just going to be asking Matt uh, questions about it. So uh, today we're talking about the Desert Mothers. The Desert yeah. Mothers. We've touched on a couple uh, key uh, fathers of the monastic movement um, earlier on in history, and so we thought we'd take this chance now that we've gotten in history to the point where you know some of these uh, it started the monasticism as a whole started becoming more of a thing. Uh, we thought we'd dive into the Desert Mothers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I guess, uh, like, what, what what are the Desert Mothers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say a happy belated Mother's Day as well. Yeah. Know, just like we did That's our good. St. Patrick's uh, thing about a month and a half after St. Patrick's Day. But we tried. We we're also trying to get this Mother's Day uh, relevant podcast out. Uh, it's only a couple weeks after Mother's Day, so we're getting better. But, uh, no, it's, you know, we wanted to do these series on drinking from the mystics and saints of the past. And, uh, you know, certainly it seems that, um, you know, in church history, as in most of history, women seem to have been pushed aside, though they were never uh, pushed to the side in the heart of God. They were always right at the creamy center. Uh, men, women, children, people of all ages. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to just drink from the Desert Mothers and, and just drink from, you know, uh, Mama God. Some of you may not be familiar with the fact that uh, there is a feminine energy in God. There is a feminine aspect, feminine side. It's not just, uh, you know, Abba and Jesus sausage fest in heaven. But uh, most of the references in the Bible to Holy Spirit are actually feminine. And so that can send you down a bit of a, an adventure, challenge you theologically, but also come out with a, a much more healthy like uh, spirituality and more healthy mystical life when you encounter the feminine side of God. And so that's a, my little intro. But to get back to Zach's question, uh, who are the desert mothers? So for centuries in the early church, you'd find um, obviously there were desert fathers that are a lot more well-known we talked about abba anthony a couple podcasts back and he was kind of one of the the uh, original one of the og desert fathers but there was an, a growing number of people who um because of the kind of the corruption of the day because of uh they're you know just looking at society and seeing it become uh much more money focused much more um just kind of worldly or sin, you know, abounding in different ways. A lot of uh, these early kind of mystics and, and monks began to, to withdraw into the desert. And so just like you may be familiar with some of the desert fathers, there were mothers, there were women that um, withdrew into particularly a lot around like Egypt um, into the, the desert of the, that, you know, Northeast African and, and Middle Eastern region. And uh, some of them were there for decades or even, you know, up to like 100 years or whatever, just living out in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. And so, you know, we just wanted to honor that feminine aspect and maybe just talk about a little bit of what, uh, yeah, um, what they went through and some of the things that they learned. What's, uh, who was one of the first desert mothers? Like, what's one of the earlier desert mothers that people have recorded history about? Yeah, um... Well, one of my favorites and certainly one of the foremost, I don't know if I have the timeline down fully, yeah. but was uh, Ama Sincletica, um, or, it, you know, her name was uh, not originally in English, so <laughs> that's my best pronunciation, <laughs> Ama Sincleta, or Ama Sincletica. Um, she was 
probably the most well-known of, of some of the early desert mothers. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she, you know, withdrew, uh, into the desert around Alexandria. And, uh, it's amazing. A lot of these mothers in the early days would just, you know, withdraw. And after being there for some years, you know, the, the stories of their, you know, either the miracles or their, their piety or just what people felt in their presence, then they would gather, um, a gather around. And so Amos and Kletika would get gathered a number of women that would, um, kind of withdraw up into a spiritual community with her in the desert. Does she have a, a remaining like, uh, uh, order after her? Do you know? Honestly, I don't think so. Um, yeah. a lot of these mothers do get like, uh, like a day, you know, in the Orthodox church or in the oh, Catholic okay. church where they're honored. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as I know, um, and if anybody else knows more about that, I don't, I don't know of any like ongoing orders. Yeah. Um, what was, what was she known for? Do you know, like what, uh, what was she mainly known for? Or were there any things that she said that people remember? Yeah. So the interesting thing with like, well, with since I guess Sincletica in, in particular and most of them, they, they kind of had a, a lot of similarities was, uh, you know, they were known for just kind of a radical, um, kind of an ab- abhorrence of the world, um, a, just a complete disregard for, for greed, for selfishness, for, I mean, they, they yeah. were, honestly, they were known for extreme asceticism. Yeah. And, uh, and that's some of the stuff maybe we can talk about in this, in this podcast too. Um, I, I love like these, just, just the spirit of, of these women and their radical devotion, their radical kind of, um, rejection of anything that's going to compromise their spiritual life. Yeah. And I, I think that's something we can really take from, from these mothers, um, is just that radical devotion. Um, I think of another one, uh, Ama Theodora, who she, she so wanted to withdraw and be able to live like these desert fathers. And yet for women, you know, it was so difficult, uh, as in most eras of history, like women have had to overcome so many more challenges. And, uh, she was so desperate to live this kind of a life, like committed to live this kind of life that she, uh, pretended to be a man for like decades. Um, <laughs> she, she snuck into a monastery, yeah. pretended to be a man. Oh, wow. Snuck into some of the desert fathers monasteries and, wow. uh, and just her radical, like, uh, devotion and passion to live that kind of lifestyle. Like she, you know, uh, they wouldn't have allowed a woman and she probably didn't have access. A lot of the desert mothers didn't know each other. You know, it's not like today where in social media, you can find all your like-minded folks somewhere. Um, you know, it was, it was quite a, a, yeah, a challenge. So she, you know, (laughs) snuck in as a, as a man or whatever. But, um, you know, like I was talking about Syncletica, their, their extreme asceticism and their extreme devotion, I think is so honorable and, and, that's what I, I think we can drink from today, you know, mm. is just partake of, of just a radical, um, just that radical fire, you know, that radical, like willingness to, to let go of whatever it may be. You know, I mean, a lot of them were kind of, they were fasting way more than I would recommend. They were, you know, <laughs> they were, uh, you know, they, they almost had this, this view of like, Oh, if you sleep on the ground, you're more spiritual. You know, if you, if you go without whatever it may be, some deprivation, you know? Um, and I think that's, you know, 
where we we do have this hindsight of of 2000 years of church history to learn from <laughs> as we've mentioned from so many things one of the interesting things of uh, you know that was just striking me this week is that uh they didn't have access wide access to the scriptures and uh i think that's mm. something that when we when we think about these ancient mystics and saints is that we can take for granted the fact that we have you know, hundreds of translations in English yeah. of the Bible. We have access everywhere, you know, um, just look at your phone at any moment in time and you have a Bible. But uh, these these women were radicals and they had the passion, but they didn't have like, you know, the revelation of Paul, for example. You know, they didn't have this crystal clear. It's not that it yeah. wasn't out there somewhere, yeah. you know, but it wasn't widely uh, accessible. And and most of the the scriptures were in languages that, none of these people understood, let alone women, you know? Um, so, you know, just challenges that, that they had to overcome, but I don't know that that was just something that was striking me this week is just how awesome is it that, you know, that we have the scriptures and, uh, Oh, George and Banov was hopping on the radio there. <laughs> how awesome is it that we have, you know, um, this precious like revelation to, because Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man or even maybe a woman uh, and that, but in the end it leads to death. And the more I studied, I've convinced that it's like the natural person that's trying to be spiritual will actually follow a path of kind of like these desert mothers and fathers is like, of just thinking that it's more about me becoming more radical, me denying this. Well, you know, the more I, the more hours I spend in prayer, the more time I kind of deprive myself so that I can really become spiritual. Um, you know, that's, that's the path. And, uh, so you see that radicalness in these women and, uh, and yet like, I'm so thankful that through the, through the ages, you know, we have, uh, we, you know, I, I think we're living honestly in the best time to be alive and, uh, <laughs> and let's not take for granted. Let's, and, and when we, you know, when we read church fathers and mothers like this and we read their story, we can be provoked, but let's not, you know, go back 2000 years. We're not trying to copy from them you know we're trying we we look and we see what they had and what's beautiful and we also are continuing to learn and grow yeah so uh, I, I wonder sometimes what the connection is between the passionate uh the passionate underpinning uh that drove the asceticism and yeah a true revelation of uh of being carried into a single-minded state of affection yes. so it's like we, while we while we have more revelation um of you know our vicarious inclusion in the godhead uh than ever um what can we what kind of connection maybe can we draw like just intuitively between them the way that they were carried into asceticism what was a, what was the root desire there and how that relates to um, a revelation of, you know, our co-inclusion, because it seems like if you really think about it, it seems like these mothers were driven to their asceticism by something actually true and real that was apart from any, uh, kind of, uh, works or effort, um, yeah. uh, expression that we might associate with asceticism, but rather, um, you know, what was that, that base desire was just so pure that base, uh, uh, lead that, that leading that they were feeling, you know, uh, they, yes. they were looking for an expression 
a life expression and a holistic one at that that was encapsulating and blowing up that desire you know like uh, how do I basically the question they're asking themselves was you know uh, how do I take this 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 oh this <laughs> this yeah this, this yearning this yearning better, this yeah. this even maybe this feeling of 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 just being taken over you know by god and and turn that into a lifestyle you know and so they were pioneering that in a way you know so obviously you see these expressions of asceticism and eventually they become you know just dead husks of uh whatever over time where they don't necessarily have you know the the vitality that they once did and sometimes they do have the vitality you know uh these expressions of life but yeah. what can we glean or or you know, how does, how do I relate my experience of God, you know, uh, in my body and tangibly in the, in the world today and in my relationships with people with that same exact yearning and feeling of, of being totally taken over, you know, um, it's good. So that, that sort of connection to the desert mothers in that way. And just that, you know, having, having to be totally sold out. And I mean, it's particularly for them and in most of the cultures back then, it was very, very, uh, not okay to not just become a wife. You know, you had to, right. <laughs> it was very much expected that you were going to live a certain kind of life even more so than if you were a man. And, um, so they had to, you go even more out of their way than their male counterparts, I would think, you know? No. And I, and I, that, that's a whole other kind of thing i mean there's so many uh conversations and rabbit trails that this can provoke but uh i i think it's to me part of the, the thing i see in their story was it's kind of sad that they were forced to be like men you know yeah. like even theodora man it's just so sad that like i think you know in reading back i actually had a friend a couple weeks ago say hey uh share with me some cool stories from the desert mothers and i was like you know, I actually had a book and I was like searching through one that I could share that was really like encouraging and profound to me. But uh, I feel like a lot of the mothers were, um, they were forced to even be like so ascetic. They were forced to be so radical. And, and to me, my heart was kind of looking like, I, I wish I could just find one of these desert mothers that was really like, like had that comforting presence, kind of had that, that, that female energy that had that, you know, um, yeah, just that mama God, you know, thing. But a lot of them just seemed like kind of more radical desert fathers in the way that they were forced to live because of the culture of the time, you know. And so, I, you know, just looking back again, I'm thinking, man, uh, if these women were allowed to actually be, you know, f women, just allowed to be fully like themselves, how much more could we have gained? And, and, and so that's just a, you know, a whole other interesting topic, I think, to, to drink from these desert mothers and even to just say in the cloud of witnesses, we honor you now, mothers, you know, <laughs> we're, we're so thankful for you and we need your feminine like wisdom. We need your feminine aspect um, just as much as we need the male aspect and, and just as much as we need spiritual, we need the natural and, uh, and just to come up with a comprehensive and, and open like view of life that isn't. Uh, repressing and oppressing any of the sexes or any age group or any, you know, whatever. So yeah. that's, that's one thing. The other thing I think like we've already been touching on is this asceticism, you know, studying the desert fathers and mothers really forces us to kind of reevaluate asceticism. And 
while those of us that know, you know, my ministry and what we've already been doing in high on God, I mean, we're like uh, promoting a, 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 an extravagant spirituality, you know, we're promoting a reveling spirituality, um, not so much a, a, a de deprivation and fasting focus, you know, because we've seen that it's not by our efforts, you know, we've seen that it's all a free gift of the gospel. We do have the reformation on our side here. But at the same time, like stuff you were mentioning, like uh, mm -hmm. how many of the people that are getting grace are living as radical as some of these people were in their just abandonment of like, you know, of distraction and their in their single minded focus, you know. And so I, I come I come before the desert mothers with a humility when I read their uh, I'm going to read a few quotes as we come to the end in a little bit. But um I had to sort through a lot of their quotes because I just couldn't handle them, but I'm still trying to come with a humility to say like, there is wisdom here just because their radical lifestyle did. Uh, it does demonstrate that they were onto something. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and I think it's so wise for us, even as glory drinkers, as grace uh, revelators to, to come to any saint from the period, of, uh, whatever history and to be able to say like, I can sit at your feet and learn from you. Yeah. Also not to like underestimate what we have, but not to overestimate what we have either as, as the, the only revelation, you know, I think these desert mothers had a lot of, um, really cool stuff, you know, in their integrity, in their focused passion, their zeal, their singleness of vision, um, their courage, uh, and absolute dedication that we can drink from. I mean, how, how many of us like imagine what it, it would be great to go and like live in a cave for, you know, for some years and just meditate. But then when we're all forced to stay home for a couple of months, we're like going stir crazy, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, we just never learned that silence of heart. We never learned that satisfaction of just sitting, you know, which these, these mothers would go and sit in their house. A lot of them, actually, there were a couple I, I, I didn't write these quotes down today, but just like I quoted from Abba Anthony, a number of the mothers said like, uh, th those that are quick to leave the convent or look to leave the monastery are those that live a life of, of worry and distraction from the presence of the Holy one. So I'm butchering the quote, but it's something like that, you know, those that are quick to go from here to there, you know, they had such a settledness. They had such a, um, just a focus on like the, the presence of God was all they wanted, you know? Um, mm, yeah. So I don't know. Got any more questions, Senor? <laughs> <laughs> did you did you read anything about like did the start of any of any communities? Like, did, was there any unique uh, aspects? Like, I don't know the way they did the music, or mm. were there silent were there silent communities? Um, do you know anything like? anything about that because i was just wondering yeah that's... if they followed the same pattern as you know the the male communities or yeah it, it seems like they took a lot from what the, the desert fathers were doing but also like what the time period we're talking about here is so early in the church too these yeah. real pioneers like a lot of them didn't have like liturgies they didn't have um you know the the daily office or the daily order of the you know of prayers and things and so, I mean, it developed over time, but it seemed like a lot of them, it was just their own contemplation. Um, a lot of times they were, they would kind of be hermits or I don't know what the female term for a hermit is. 
Uh, yeah. But they would just be hidden away. And then if a community formed, it was kind of the, like I was mentioning about uh, Theocletica uh, or Syncletica, sorry. Uh, they, women would just gather by their reputation and just... Um, but yeah, I didn't really get into a lot of the order and stuff of what they did. Did did was there any miracle stories that you remember or any signs and wonder stories? Honestly, I didn't I didn't get quite as many and I I yeah. have a feeling there were they were going on, but again, to find stuff on the Desert Mothers is uh is a little more challenging. You yeah. Know, just like finding women's exploits throughout history it seems to be exactly you know written of less but uh, if anything your lack of answers is a testament to one of the points we were making <laughs> no i know like in all the the resources you have to usually find desert fathers books that has like one chapter on the desert mothers or like in the sayings of the desert fathers it's like 90 desert fathers and like five desert mothers yeah know? There that, could have even that, been desert fathers that were desert mothers, and to yeah, this day, yeah, no yeah. one knew that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I, I do think of one phrase. I, I think it was Theodora. No, it wasn't Theodora because she was already pretending to be a man. But uh, one of them, you know, the 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 men came to seek their wisdom, and she said, "I'm more of a man than all of you." <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it, was just, it was pretty funny. It was cracking me up. But, uh, I did write down a few uh, of my favorite quotes that maybe I'll just lay out here for us to check out. But um, now, again, like I said, some of these, are, I mean, they're so ascetic, you know, for me. So I'm, I'm trying to drink from that dedication and passion, which has been a part of my life. I mean, I had seven years where I was in the house of prayer, you know, or just sitting hours a day. And, yeah. uh, but I've actually found a lot more life. Um, on just, you know, like we talked about Brother Lawrence glory, just engaging the glory in daily life than when I was all cloistered away. So I, I think I still, I, I resonate with some of the old religion when I read some of these, but at the same time, <laughs> there's actually a lot of whack. Um, Amma said, in the beginning, there is struggle and a lot of work for those who come near to God. But after that, there is indescribable joy. Just like building a fire, at first it is smoky and your eyes water, but later you get the desired result. Mm. And I kind of liked that quote, you know, thinking back, like, I think whenever someone does begin to walk with Jesus, at first it feels difficult, even though it doesn't have to be, because you just don't realize how great the, you know, the presence of God is versus what you left behind. Yeah. You know, a lot of times initially you're still like, oh man, it was so great when I had control over my own life or it was so great when I could still, you know, I don't know, dabble in this darkness and dabble in that darkness. And so, you know, I, I can relate to the quote that she says afterwards, after a while, it just becomes pure indescribable joy, like building a fire. It's kind of difficult at first. Once the fire's going, it's raging. <laughs> um, let's see. One of the desert mothers also said, choose the meekness of Moses and you will find your heart, which is a rock changed into a spring of water. A lot of value on meekness. Another, another quote was, uh, just as one cannot build a ship unless one has nails, so it is impossible to be saved without humility. But a high value on the humility and meekness. I think that's something we can absolutely just drink from. I, wouldn't it be awesome to see more evangelicals and charismatics that are meek and humble? <laughs> <laughs> she, she also says, this is Syncletica, just as a treasure that is exposed loses its value, so a virtue which is known vanishes. 
Just as wax melts when it is near a fire, so the soul is destroyed by praise and loses all the results of its labor. And they really value that secret virtue, you know, that just hidden, like, and isn't there something super cool about that, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, like the denial of the approval yeah. of man, you know? And they did talk about that a lot. I I, I don't have a, a, a bunch of other ones written down, but we'd often just talk about, like, yeah, just being free from what other people think, being free from what men think. <laughs> and uh, I think that's another one. You know, so many of us are doing something to be seen. And, uh, you know, the silence and the solitude of the desert really removes all of that. And you just get down to why are you in this to begin with? Yeah. And uh, is, the, is that fire of the Holy Ghost enough for you? You know, so... <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, you had to say fire of the Holy Ghost. Is that fire of the Holy Ghost? Hey. I don't know. You know, in, in prepping for this, I just feel like the Lord really wants to release these mothers, these women, these w female mystics back to the church in not in a way that has to look like what the men have looked like. Um, not in. Uh, yeah, I mean, just what would it be like if the freedom of, of just the, the female drinkers, the female, you know, the prophetesses and the, you know, the apostles, yeah. the, the Queens of heaven were released, um, in the, in, you know, the comforting presence and the feminine energy. Uh, I think there's, there's a real awakening to that. And, and as we drink from these desert mothers, I just, I long to see that restored. I know I need to learn from that. And, uh, just to even see the feminine aspect in the Godhead, I think is so valuable that like father, son, and Holy spirit have a lot of feminine life there as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I don't know. And for men, and for this goes for men too, but you know, this freedom from, you know, identifying with romantic connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Absolutely. they, 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 they were they were so convinced that they could live an entire life of being mm. you know not romantically connected not married you know yeah and, that's interesting I it is it's just like you know that that's right that's now. something that a lot of single people men and women you know but i think you know that's something that could be gleaned yeah in this in this you know topic or, or whatever it's just it's like you know yeah, like, do you need romance to survive? Like, yeah, exactly. Or the romance of of Abba, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. As do you not... know that you could live the rest of your life without that, and it would be just as glorious? Yeah, without a man. Without a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that. That is a good point. Marriage is such a beautiful thing, and you know, uh, I'm I I have a beautiful wife. Zach has a beautiful wife, but at the same time, like. So many people think that's going to bring that satisfaction to their life and they, they go into that. And you see in these desert mothers, like just willing to live decades out, out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen that in the Catholic church where they force so many people, you know, priests all have to be single and then all the mess that comes out of that. But, you know, and I think that's what happens whenever you force things on people. But there's also this place where you can live in God of just total satisfaction where you're not looking to be fulfilled by that. And yeah. that's a really good point, man. Um, I, think, I don't know why I wanted to throw that in at the end. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, <laughs> little nutty nuggets. Maybe that's a word for someone. 
Yeah, I felt like it might be. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, thanks for for the doing this deck. It's so fun. Absolutely. I was just feeling coming into today too. Like, uh, we love you, hammered drunk glory people. You know, but even if you don't feel drunk, I just want to tell you again, like, it, you are absolutely included beyond, you know, uh, having to put on a show. I don't know. I just felt like that today. Like there's somebody watching that's like, oh man, I wish I could be whacked. I wish I could be experiencing more of this. And, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we're, we're doing the high on God podcast, but like, like we just mentioned, it's not something you need to do or need to get, or, you know, all that you need has already been given to you in Christ. And, uh, you are free to just participate that in that and uh and not to put any pressure on yourself or to think that you're ever in lack um the the bliss comes when we stop trying to get the bliss and just enjoy what we have he was carrying you long before you heard the gospel and he'll be carrying you long after come on (laughs) there is a real good news that has it's far beyond religion it's far beyond uh you know trying to reach some state um, and but that's when the state just arises naturally. Uh, so just rest in his arms and let him carry you and, uh, and, and enjoy your <laughs> life with Jesus and, and be provoked by some of these uh, mothers and fathers to to know that there is a lifestyle there of single minded devotion and focus and and intentionality mm. uh, in Christ for mm. each and every one of us. And that maybe it feels difficult. I'll just I'll end with this quote that we read earlier. Maybe like Amos Sincletica says, in the beginning there is struggle and it seems like a lot of work for those who come near to God. But after that, there is indescribable joy. It is just like building a fire. At first it's smoky and your eyes water, but you do get the desired result. Enjoy your desired result, people. (laughs) You are in him. All right. Peace. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the High on God podcast with Matthew Spinks and Zachary Paul Pratt. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and check out the accompanying YouTube blog where we'll have short guided meditations on the glory of Jesus, as well as additional random coverage and updates from the God High. Also, if you believe in the message we're putting out to the world, consider donating or becoming a monthly partner at www.thefirehouseprojects.com donate so that we can spread the authentic inebriating good news of Jesus. Alrighty then, until next time, stay high on the supply inside that never runs dry, Jesus Christ.